You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm, standing at TaylorMade Farm. Welcome to the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside of me, as always, is the great, the talented, the lovely Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome. Woo-hoo. To the show. Thank I mean, you, Billy. Well, all that is true. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I know, I never know the date. It's February 5th. So we're doing this show on a Wednesday this week. Uh, as you know, our new format, we can do it in whenever we want, which is so nice. Which has uh, actually really worked out for our guests, I feel really like. It really has. We're not losing guests. And we have a great guest on the show today. We're going to talk to Jen Shaw. She lives in Kentucky. She is one of the most foremost, most foremost, that really makes sense. She is one of the foremost uh, equine accountants in the country. She has done many seminars. And she's going to come on. Now, does she do equines in general or like specifically or only racehorses? Well, we're going to find out. Okay. I mean, that's why we're going to talk to Jen Shaw. Jen Shaw's awesome. And Michelle had this brilliant idea. Michelle, who always makes fun of me when I bring up other parts of the industry other than owners, who, but she came up with this idea. And I said, what a great idea. Is that that is we- such not the truth, Billy. I only say we don't do trainers because it doesn't fit in. I'm all about educating owners, but like having trainers on is not where, or jockeys is not where I want to go. All right. uh, not a handicapping website. Okay. Well, it's not a podcast. website. It's a podcast. Sorry. Podcast. But we're going to try to do a website. I've, I've been looking. That was where I actually have it sitting up right now. That's why I said website. Okay. Very good. Well, let's get into our uh, usual race recaps for the week because okay. there was a lot of lot of Kentucky Derby stuff going on. There were some great races at Santa Anita. So where do you want to start? And then we will give uh, Jen Shaw a call. All right. Well, we'll start with the Derby preps. How about the Withers and Aqueduct? Oh, yeah. Good race. I would say this. If I was going to give you like 10 trainers in New York that you would think would have a derby prospect, I would guarantee you Linda Rice probably wouldn't be like the first person you jump to, right? When you say Linda Rice, you think turf sprinter. At least I do. Well, I think Linda Rice can do more than just have a turf sprinter. I'm going to give her a little oh, more agree, credit than that. I agree, but that's just what she like, has I, not, that's no. like the thing that Linda, jumps to your mind. Right. For years, she has not necessarily been a, quote, derby type, type trainer, but she has a very good prospect in Max Player, and it's owned by our good friend George Hall. Yeah. A son there of honor code out of a not for love mayor. Did you watch the race? I did not watch the race. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Max Player looked like he was done at about the three ace pole and got way, went way wide, pr- lost tons of ground turning for home and made a big, bold run to get up in the nick of time. I don't know if this is the kind of race where a derby prospect is going to come from, just to be honest. I, think, I feel though, like the Withers is like that a lot, though. It is, and but I I will say that with his running style and the way he kind of grinded it out, uh, mm-hmm. he has a shot. And and really nowadays, with the way everyone's spacing their races, this horse probably goes right to the Wood Memorial. And if he wins the race, he's 
he's in the Derby and he's one of the favorites. Right. If he if he can win the Wood Memorial, I'm sure there are some horses that are going to come up that we're going to see in the next couple of months before the first Saturday in, in May that are going to prove uh, uh, his competition in New York at least. Uh, but for right now, um, he's the one. Good job, okay. good job, I'll George. Down down at um, Florida in Gulfstream Park, we had the Holy Bull that went to Tis the Law, who I think had a lot of buzz going into the Breeders' Cup last year, opted to not come to Santa Anita, and then got beat in his subsequent start. He was, yeah, he, he was not, he had a rough He looked trip. green, didn't he, down like the lane still? Like, he was shying from the whip, I thought, a little bit. In this race? In this race. I think, yeah, he's still learning. He's a big talented new york bred and he's owned by sakatoga stable and michelle you know the sakatoga stable story absolutely funny uh, side the the, the, school bus. the gutsy gelding funny side i think that's how he likes to be referred to uh it's good to see them back on the map you know they'd be a good guest to have on the show because it, it just goes to show you how tough this game is and how tough to stay atop this game is um they win the kentucky derby with funny side and to be frank you don't hear much from Sacatoga Stable for the next however many years. What has it been? Mm-hmm. 10, 15 years? Uh, and all of a sudden, they ha- they find, they pay 100000 Barkley Tag, same crew, finds this New York bred named Tis the Law, and they name it Tis the Law. And, and, and I, I thought he was impressive. I think he's an impressive sort. He's got to be one of the ones um, that has a shot right now and has to be considered one of the leading contenders. I don't know if he's the favorite because his, he's not trained by Bob Baffert. And... <laughs> Uh, but he's a nice horse. He's improving, and and he'll be on that. They don't know where they're going next. They may go the Oakland route, or they may stay in Florida. Is what just from reading about Tis the Law, and he has a cool name, Tis the Law. Tis the Law. Can you say it like that? Doesn't it doesn't sound like a Grade One winner to me? Can you just say it though, like like it's like it like almost like a little guttural? Can you say it like that one time just so I can hear it? Tis the Law. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, Tis the law. Okay, also, uh, the Swale, which is seven furlongs, and I thought that winner was very impressive. Mischievous Alex for John Service and Cash is King Stables. Interestingly enough, Cash is King back in the back in the fold. Right? The last time, Alex. I mean, the, a fleet Alex, who was incredible. Um, and then they had that good filly, and I, I her name is escaping me right now, Michelle. Uh, uh. Was the one that, like, didn't Bill Ma have it? No, I think it was. I think it was service. It's, I, I, we'll have to look it up and get it before we okay. leave the show. Um, but uh, yeah, very, was impressive and has to stretch out. And until they do stretch out, it's hard to really say um, how talented they Jaywalk. are. Right? Exactly. I mean, that's they a good example. Jaywalk. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but that was a nice win. Yeah. Michelle, move uh, forward a little bit. I can't. We can't hear you as well. You can't hear me as well. Is oh, there you better? go. Oh, it's it just got okay. better. Thank you. I just had to move my mic closer. I I have the baby here because Ryan's with the horse chiropractor, so I have to have him like on one side. So I tried to. I had to move my whole <laughs> headset to the other side than I normally wear it. So it's I'm sure everyone will love to hear that. I'm sure everyone <laughs> will love to hear that. Uh, let's see. Swedish Chant went to Cheermeister on the turf. I didn't watch it. Well, you know who my favorite horse was this weekend. Uh, I'm going to guess, Ooh, who was your favorite horse this weekend? That one? Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear Red barking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are you a United fan or a Thousand Words fan? You're thinking the wrong sex, baby. 
Oh, Phillies, huh? Yeah. Tonalist shape? Uh, she's good, Tonalist shape. She's very good. No, the other one. Taraz. Oh, that was, was that ungraded then? I think it was ungraded. Because I only have graded stakes up. Oh, that's why. That's why. Taraz for okay. Brad Cox and Judmont. She looks like a monster. And they want, they're thinking Derby Trail with her. Well, they're talking about it, but I don't know. I mean, Bill Mott, you know, he, he, he doesn't mess around very much right. with that kind of stuff. And, and, but I, the way she won, I mean, she gallops around there. She's powerful. She looks like a big, strong filly. She's loaded with talent. And, uh, I just I think she's very special and one to definitely watch. Cool. I thought you were gonna say Opus One, but I wasn't. Listen, that wasn't a listen. <laughs> Opus One uh, won her second straight and her second in 2020. She's the leading horse at Santa Anita right now, two for two with uh, over ninety thousand dollars in earnings. If cool. you look at the uh, standings, and for those of you who are LRF fans, we have quite the race coming up on March 28th. At Santa Anita, they're going to run the Santa Ana, which is a grade three for 100000 And it's going to be Mirth against Opus One, if they both mm. make it. Yeah. Who you got? I'm making t-shirts. You know? Should I make t-shirts with like both exciting. of their like heads on there? Don't and the you RF remember logo? when I wanted you to make Bellasaurus Rex yeah. t-shirts? <laughs> yes. but it, <laughs> That was good. That was I, very I good. I know how wanting a shirt from you goes. They never get made. No, they don't get made. Well, <laughs> you I told you. Get the, on the phone I, to, but there's uh, a reason. Uh, there's a reason the the coconut willy story. Did you ever what? tell you the coconut willy story? No. So there's this Ron Ellis was my very first trainer in Southern California was Ron Ellis and he was training for B Wayne Hughes at the time and they had this immensely talented colt named Coconut Willie and it was named uh, B Wayne Hughes I guess there was a uh, a song that you sing to your kids called Coconut Willie and I don't know how the song goes. And I was in the barn, and I was around Coconut Willie, and I kind of fell in love with this horse. I had nothing to do with the horse. And he was going to debut, and I said to Ron, can we make Coconut Willie t-shirts? And Ron's like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. Ask Wayne. you know. And I, I asked Wayne. I'm like, let's just have Coconut Willie t-shirts made. They're in the Spendthrift colors. You know, At the, at the time, it was, uh, it was public storage colors. And so we make these t-shirts, and we all wear them to the races under our regular clothes. And Coconut Willie's ridden by McCarran. He gets in all kinds of trouble, trapped the entire race, gets out late, and just misses. Right? So he doesn't okay. win. So meanwhile, we have all these t-shirts on that we can't even show anybody. <laughs> <laughs> then, then he gets hurt. And he never becomes the racehorse that he should have been. Like He was unbelievable racehorse. And so to that day, so I, you think you jinxed him. I totally cooled Coconut Willie. It was my fault. Let me see I this. Have, I have apologized to Wayne on numerous occasions over the years. I mean, this is probably That's twenty why years ago. That's you want him on our show. Yeah, probably. Bring he, me, bring the coconut rum to the party. Let's have some fun. We're the party. When we said we can move it, oh, we can groove it. Let's party. Oh, oh, oh. Is that the coconut Willie song? Bring me a coconut, Willie William. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But that's the story. And that's why I cannot, okay. I can't make, make gear. I can't okay. make gear before. You could do it like for the Breeders' Cup. Like that makes sense. Right? Okay. But I, All right. Just, All right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the story. You know, if you want to get, if you want to get a, the cooler out, that would definitely be the time as Breeders' Cup. Yeah, exactly. Well, we had vests <laughs> made for Mirth. We had Secret Spice hats. So that didn't really work out. So maybe it is the cool. Maybe we're just cooling with the gear. So I very, right? I get very scared to make gear, Michelle. That's to the, be that's fair. Every horse for the Breeders' Cup gets hats made. Right. 
So there you go. So, so maybe that's the, the, the reverse cool. Well, what maybe, happened? Billy, you should make a shirt for everybody. It may be. But there okay. were some good uh, races okay. at Santa Anita, right? Yeah, we had the San Pasqual, which went to midcourt. Boy, looked he looked really good in that race. Uh, owned by CRK Stables, trained by John Sheriffs, ridden by Victor Espinoza, I believe. Uh, took the lead from the start and never looked back. And he, you know, sometimes you can watch a race, Michelle, and just know, like, this race is over. And it looked like mm -hmm. it was over after a quarter mile. He, right. I, I, I can't remember a horse that looked so full of run the entire you get, time. You don't let horses like that get loose on the lead. Well, it's interesting. One of the one of the other favorites was a horse named King Abner, who we used to own mm -hmm. a part of. We don't anymore. We sold him um, at the end of the year, uh, our piece of him. And I talked to trainer Phil D'Amato after the race, and I said, why weren't you closer? And he goes, listen, he goes, he blamed himself. He said, I screwed up. I looked at the form. I saw all the speed that was in there. And I said, I told Pratt to just lay right behind the speed. And it just was it just didn't work out and that happens but, sometimes like, that's the time that like a jockey can say like oh well he told me that but shit there's no one out here i'm just gonna go yeah it it, it sometimes right? it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and okay. you know i know phil was was upset after the race i know king abner probably didn't have the performance he won. i think he finished fourth uh but he was just in kind of chase mode the whole way rather than being up in there where he likes to be. So, but congratulations. Take nothing away from midcourt. And they're, they're talking oh, yeah. about, he looks sensational. Uh, yeah, that horse uh, trying to stretch out to a mile and a quarter in the big cap, which is, I believe, on March 7th at Santa Anita. Um, also, the San Marcos went to United, which I was a little concerned that a mile and a quarter too short for him because he's got this, like, big, long stride, but it's not. I would say it's not explosive, but it, like, takes him a second to get into it. Yeah. Uh, he ran excellently there and got got his nose down in time. I thought it was a really good race for him, and it was a huge day for Flavian Pratt, who had won two or three graded stakes on the on the card. I, I, I completely agree. I think uh, L&J Foxwoods owned, uh, owns that horse, mm -hmm. uh, Richard Mandela, the trainer. He's been a bit unlucky, finished second in the Breeders' Cup to Bricks and Mortar, who obviously was the horse of the year, and he was deserving of a graded stakes win. I believe it was his first. Uh, he's the reigning long-distance turf horse champ here on the West Coast, and it'll be interesting to see if they travel to some of the other big races around the country this year with United. Okay, and then the Bob Lewis. So our derby prep went to 1,000 words. You know, he wasn't – I don't want to say he wasn't impressive. He's just – a grinder right he just kind of like goes out there and does his job <laughs> i you know i i'm gonna disagree about that okay. michelle i thought he was very professional i thought yes. he took a lot of dirt yes he had a good trip but when pratt asked him and he had to move in between horses between tis a magician and hieroglyphics who i think was on the lead um he he burst right I'm sorry. Hi, my bad. Ba Bafford has so many horses like that. I get him I know. confused. Hieroglyphics is a good name, though. It is a cool name. High Velocity. Uh, I thought he 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 accelerated through that hole, which is hard to do in a, in a race like that. And I thought he – you're right. He grinded it out. But those are the kind of horses that win big races. Well, because, that's what I was going to tell you. Was, yeah. To me, he is very reminiscent of Game Winner. That's like, what people are saying. I, I don't – I don't know. I, I think, don't he's, think so? I think he's more athletic than Game Winner. Okay. I think he's right. just his the body type. I think he just to me just visually he looks a little longer. I always thought Game Winner kind of was this big, kind of plotty thing that I don't think he I don't think Thousand Words is like that. He was a million okay. dollar purchase by yeah. uh, Al, Alba Aldaba. 
Stables? How am Al- I saying that? Alba. Alba. Stable. Alba Family Stables. Alba and Family Spendthrift. Stables and Spendthrift. Yeah. And and I think he's got tons of potential. He's just learning. I think that was only his third or fourth start. And uh, to me, he he has to be. I know Baffert's got a ton of bullets in his barn, and we haven't seen Nadal stretch out and some of these others. But to me, he has to be the front runner right now for the Kentucky Derby. I, I was very impressed. Maybe more impressed than you were. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, that's how I feel. I don't, we don't pull punches here on the horse ownership experience. We're going to be right. right back. We're going to call Jen Shaw, and we're going to talk horse equine accounting. That should be fun. Yay. All right. We'll be right back. Come join us at Santa Anita for exciting live thoroughbred action from now until June 21st. And with our new Ultimate Fan Experience, you can get immersed in Santa Anita like never before. Your Ultimate Experience package includes a meet and greet with a trainer at their barn in the morning, breakfast at Clocker's Corner, a box for the day, and an afternoon tour including visiting track announcer Frank Miramati in the announcer's booth. For upcoming events, guarantees, and everything that's happening at the great race place, visit SantaAnita.com events. And we're back on the Horse Ownership Experience. Joining us today is Jen Shaw from Dean Dorton in Kentucky. Jen is an equine CPA, as she likes to be referred to. Jen, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, this was Michelle's brilliant idea. Jen, just so you know, normally we, we have owners on the Horse Ownership Experience, but we thought it would be interesting to hear from someone other than an owner that could give us some insight into other aspects of this game. And one of the most important parts is obviously the money, the accounting, the taxes. So, (laughs) you know, just for the average person, they might just do their own stuff. They get their own bills. Where, where do you come in for these owners in horse racing specifically? So, yeah. So, um, and thanks for having me today. Um, And, and, you know, really, I always say that we talk about, um, what I consider one of the most important aspects of ownership, but probably um, a little bit more mundane. Um, you know, obviously I don't have someone cheering behind me when I save people money on their taxes. Um, <laughs> unlike a horse. Crossing I would the cheer you on. Woo-hoo, save me money. <laughs> Woo-hoo, Jen. <laughs> That's funny. So, so where I come in is really um, when someone looks, is looking to get into the business, um, whether it be horses or, or owning a farm, um, we look at, how to structure the um, the ownership, whether to go out on their own or if they're really just getting in, maybe looking at um, investing in a partnership type arrangement so they can learn for a few years before going out on their own. So a lot of what I do is just talking to owners about um, how to establish their, their horse business operations and then what are some of the tax benefits that are available to them as part of that horse ownership. Jen, why would people call you instead of just their, you know, everyday tax guy that they use? Well, um, like most every industry, um, there are specific rules um, that are applicable to equine only. And so, um, and lots of nuances in the business too. So I actually do work with with CPAs around the country to help them um, either with doing the horse piece or educating them on the horse business. So, um, uh, they can understand a little bit more about the business and the the tax incentives that are available. Well, that's a great that's a great point because one of the things as a as a syndicate manager I get asked all the time is a very basic question: Is this a tax write off? And I'm sure Jen, you could talk about this for a half hour. But can you get us <laughs> some? Can you give us some idea of how how should even myself or Michelle answer that question? 
Sure. So and it is, it is a loaded question because everyone's situations are, are different. And, you know, while there are tax incentives available, there, there are certain hurdles that people have to meet in order to be able to deduct any tax losses or, or, or create tax write-offs. And the first is that um, it, whether the enterprise is a business versus a hobby. And the IRS has nine factors that they've listed. Um, but essentially, is are, are you running your operations with the intent to make profit? Not necessarily are you profitable, but are you, do you have that, that intent? Um, and, and of course, just because the horse business is a risky business doesn't mean that it's not a business. So that's sort of the first hurdle. And then in order to currently deduct losses, um, you may have to be what's called an active participant, which is spending at least 500 hours a year on, um, on your horse endeavors. And so, so those are some two of the most popular tests that most horse owners have to go through um, in order to currently um, potentially write off their, um, the, their investment with the horses. You said 500 hours a year, so that's like roughly 20 days. Does that mean like in a 20-day span of the year you have to go to the races or go to the sales or something like that? Yeah, so, so, the, so the IRS might um, contest some of, the, um, some of the qualifying activities, but yes, time spent um, at, the, uh, at the track watching your horses or in preparation for the sales, um, attending the sales, conferring with trainers, vets, um, or bloodstock agents, all of that time should count um, towards the 500-hour rule. Listening to our radio show counts, Billy. Absolutely. People shouldn't. Oh, Jen, I'm going to go back to something else you said yeah. because you said the intent to make a profit. Who would be in this game? I understand that it can be a hobby, but who in this game wouldn't have the intent to try to make a profit? So, um, so sometimes people do, and, and it's really, you know, sometimes we see it less in the thoroughbred world where people are more focused on just having fun. So there's, certain, there's certainly an, an element or aspect of fun for those that have horses, but, um, but what the IRS is looking for is, um, you know, are you doing things to try to make money and are they working or if not, have you changed your business plan? So for example, are you racing um, and is that working? Or if you're, if that's not working, are you, um, you know, considering where in, you know, which part of the country are you racing? Which, what type of races are you doing? Are you getting into the breeding side of things? So it's, it's really just good general business practices, like keeping your horse operations separate from your personal um, and that type of thing. Interesting. Jen Shaw joining us here on the Horse Ownership Exper- Experience and Equine CPA. Jen, how does, uh, when you were a little kid, it was, did you say, when I grow up, I want to be an equine CPA? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. I mean, I think I, I started at, um, at, at my current firm about 17 years ago. And if you told me I would be leading our equine practice, I would have laughed. So um, I grew up, I went to school at UK. So I grew up at UK going to Keeneland and enjoying the racetrack when I probably should have been in school. But quite frankly, I um, have an international tax background. And when I moved to, to Kentucky, the firm didn't know what to do with me. And so there was a lot of international investment in horses. And that's really how I got involved about 17 years ago um, in, in the, the tax and accounting aspect of the industry. Have you ever been a horse owner? I have owned parts and pieces of horses from time to time, and, and that's why you know I sort of encourage people as they get into the industry to um, to look at um, at, at um, co-owners or partnerships because it helps certainly spread the risk. Um, I know what I know how much horses cost, and so um, 
for me, it's been important to, um, to um, you know, to go in with others on the on horses. Well, Jen, uh, and please note that uh, we haven't paid you from Little Red Feather to actually say things like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah you're just agreed. you just came on the show because you wanted I thought, to talk. I thought Millie, you meant that you haven't haven't paid her and she owe, and you owe her for no. you know her services. No, no, no. <laughs> um, can we talk some about like some of the things that people can write off or at what point a racehorse becomes a write off? Sure, absolutely. So, um, and, and federal tax reform actually um, increased the incentives and, and accelerated the deduction. So, right now, um, if on the racing side, uh, if you either place your um, yearling in service uh, the fall of the yearling year when it begins training or when it begins racing two year old year and afterwards, you're currently eligible to write off 100% of the purchase price oh. when um, placed in service. So if you buy a yearling and you start, your policy is to place that yearling in service uh, the fall of its yearling year, you can write off 100% of the purchase price in that year. Interesting. Now, wow. Let's, so most people don't, when you say in service, you, you don't really start training until late in their yearling year or maybe, you know, even in their beginning of their two-year-old year or whenever yeah, they're so broken. Yeah, say September or October, right? right. So how, how, yeah, how, so, do, how does that work, Jen? So most people to buy a yearling will buy in you know in in the fall anyway, and then after the the yearling is purchased, they'll put the 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 yearling in they'll put the yearling in training October or so. Sure. And so in October, when that yearling is is placed in training, then it's eligible to be written off a hundred percent. Hundred percent for tax purposes. Wow. Yep, hundred percent through through twenty twenty two. We have a hundred percent. Bonus depreciation. So for most purchases, and I say most because there are some exceptions, but most horse purchases, including breeding stocks, stallion shares, um, racing prospects, most are eligible to be written off 100% in the year of purchase. Um, and obviously there's some exceptions to that, but, um, but it's, it's hugely beneficial. And it really only applies at the federal level. Each state is different. California, for example, and Kentucky have decoupled, so they don't, we don't get the, the beneficial treatment from a state perspective, but from a federal perspective, you do get the 100% write-off right now. And for those of us, those are the people, I say those of us, because I am, when it comes to this stuff, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but when, just for the average person who's listening to our show, and we don't think anybody's average, of course, that's listening, uh, but <laughs> what, explain, so I go to a sale, uh, I, I'm in X tax bracket and I go to a sale and I decide to get into horse racing and I spend $200,000 on a yearling. I send that yearling to, uh, to, uh, Ocala to start being broken. And I get to actually write off. I, the, I have a tax write off of 200,000 is best. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. So that reduces your taxable income by 200,000. I, uh, the highest individual income tax bracket for federal purposes right now is 37%. So I can, I can get up to a 37% Tax the tax benefit from that two hundred thousand dollar write off. Wow, Michelle. I mean, did you know that? No, I'm actually like writing this. You have my page is so filled with notes right now, Michelle. Jen, do you work in like in uh, in like company with like other CPAs? Like, if you have like your normal one, would you like? Are you are you able to like come on as just like um you know an advisor? Uh, yes, absolutely. So we work with um, um, we're a 270 firm, or 270 uh, person firm, and there's about 30 of us that concentrate in equine. And so we do we act as advisors sometime and come on just to 
assist with from a tax planning perspective and let the, the normal group uh, handle the, the tax compliance piece going forward. Um, and then we all help with business plans. They, they, you know, when people get in the industry looking at um, is there is their business plan viable to, to set them up for the best profit potential. Jen, what kind of mistakes do new owners make when they get into the industry? You, you Good ha- question. You've had to seen some of this. And, you know, we all... We've been doing this show for four years. At the end of the show, we always give advice, and we've had such great advice, and we're going to ask you that in a little bit. But what mistakes do they make financially and with these uh, setting setting things up, these organizations? So um, so what I see a lot from new owners is, I mean, and, and I appreciate the enthusiasm, and they're excited about the business. Um, I, I see them working with advisors, but sometimes I see them not necessarily following um, the advisor's advice. And so... Um, you know, they're, they're new to the business, they're learning, but, um, but ultimately they, they want to be in control and, and in charge. And sometimes I see them make bad financial decisions or, or decisions that don't make sense. Uh, they aren't listening to the team that, that they've surrounded themselves with. And so, um, you know, I see, I see that from time to time. I also see sometimes where um, people get in the game and they put too much into one horse rather than spreading the risk among horses. Um, I think especially as you start out, you want to spread that risk a little bit more and not have everything in one horse, um, just from a, you know, a risk perspective. Yeah, it makes Jen, a lot of sense. When someone comes to you and they say, okay, I want to get into horse ownership, do you ask them, like, do you have disposable income or do people try and get you to, like, structure it as an investment, even though, you know, investing was not the, the real proper term, I guess. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. And, and I always tell people, um, because it's a risky business, don't invest more than you're comfortable with losing. Um, you know, I just think that that's just a good advice in general. But I do have, um, you know, some of the larger clients that are, um, that have, uh, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of disposable income, uh, they are looking at more as, as an, another investment um, type structure. But but for most, I, I really just—it's really disposable income that we're talking about, um, because you know we always say don't don't put in more than what you're willing to lose. Well, yeah, that that makes a ton of sense, and I basically do that while I'm gambling on a daily basis. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Jen Shaw joining us on the horse ownership experience—you've done a ton of these seminars. I've seen you at the the you know before the Breeders' Cup and the Toba. What do you take away generally when you see these owners who come to the sale? What What do you take away? Um, I I guess a, a very just a different depending on. I mean, I, I I'm encouraged by some of the the new owners coming into the game, looking at things a little bit differently. Um, you know, I, I I like to see our our clients continue to succeed um, and and do well. But it's really just meeting a variety of people and um, and just seeing how there's is, are there new ways um, that, that that they're finding to participate in the industry and um, and what I do see interestingly enough is that you know those that I've met at some of these conferences um, have have made friends and and, and contacts at um, and that, that who now invest together in horses so I, I find it interesting it's really an industry that brings together um, you know people from all over. To um, you know, to sometimes to, to sometimes potentially co-invest together. Yeah, that that also uh, I, I've seen the same thing. I think I think especially with our new uh, social media 
uh, ways of life that you find more and more people discussing these type of things. And I think it needs to be out there. I was asking, I was thinking about it while you were talking. Uh, obviously, horse racing has struggled to to market its game, whether it's marketing the horses because they go away or trying to market the jockeys. But there, it seems to me that there is, even for what you just said with these, these tax uh, breaks, it, it seems like this kind of message needs to get out there. How do we do that? Uh, it's a very good question. I do think that um, through forums like Interview, um, you know, where they're they're trying to attract new owners, and and we cover every year um, the tax the tax incentives. Uh, I do think that there's um, you know there's there's other um, industry participants like farms or um, or racing partnerships that host their own events, trying to bring in um, trying to bring in new investors, um, and and really it's kind of a uh, you know, I find myself in some of these situations, like just a, just talking to people outside the industry and educating them a bit on the industry. And I think the more we can do that, um, the you know the the more we'll we'll be able to to generate um, potential new investors and new money in in the business. Jen Shaw, I think you have been a tremendous guest. Great idea from Michelle. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's valuable. And if if someone wants more information, where do they go? How do they contact you? Or they you? want to hire you. <laughs> or Michelle wants to hire you immediately. <laughs> yes, I need your phone number immediately. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Michelle. So you can reach me at um, J Shaw, that's J-S-H-A-H, at deandorton.com. That's D-E-A-N-D-O-R-T-O-N.com. Or you can just go to our website. We have lots of um, industry publications available. We've done some national surveys on operations. Uh, we've got some a multi-state uh, sales and use tax that's wine specific. So you can either reach me via our website or uh, my email address. I think everyone should go to deandorton.com ASAP and learn all about the financial benefits and the tax uh, ramifications for this game. Jen Shaw, you are a delight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Have Thanks a great day. Me. That's Jen Shaw. Me too. Here on the Horse Super. Ownership Experience. Yeah, you, Michelle, I mean, absolutely great call. I can't, uh, you know, uh oh, I think I'm going to just remove I, no, you. No, I removed her. I removed oh, her. Oh, you from did the it. Call. Um, you know, I know she'd be great. I've heard her speak before, and there are there are so many what I'll call nooks and crannies to this game and to this nuances. sport and nuances. Great word. Uh, and I think when you're getting in, like, that's a great resource. How many people right. listening to our show even knew there were equine tax accountants and CPAs that, mm-hmm. that know everything? And You can't just go to your regular accountant and say, how do we do right. this? They just don't know. Right. I mean, they, they might, but they have to have some kind of background and some kind of history with the, with all of the rules and setting up your LLC or setting up you know your S corp or however you want to do it. And believe me, I am I am way behind. I don't do I don't know a lot about this stuff. This is not right. my area well, of expertise. We but. we do use like an agricultural uh, accountant for our personal you know taxes and stuff. But sure. it's fascinating to hear you know some of the stuff that she says. And obviously we've like depreciated horses and all of that, but I want to like take a lot of the information she gave and hand it over. Like, I don't know if you do this, but just in case you don't like, <laughs> right. here's this, here's this extra info that you could be saving us a lot of money. Or even, you know, hire as, or hire them as a consultant that as just a consultant, comes yeah, and this, say, Hey, could you look at our stuff for a couple hours and charge us? Yeah. I don't know how they do that, but, Me um, neither, but Dean definitely. Dorton, DeanDorton.com and, um, and Jen Shaw. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, awesome. All right, Michelle, what's uh, what's coming up this uh, okay, week well, in horse racing? First, I got two things. Yeah. First of all, um, Saudi Cup 
oh. announced um, some of the horses that are going to be coming. So it's $29.2 million over an eight race card on the 29th of February. So there are 21 individual group one or grade one winners, 66 foreign horses from eight different countries that cumulatively have won 32 grade ones are coming in for the card. Wow. Uh, Long Jeans has signed on as a title sponsor, as has Saudia, which is one of their airlines over in Saudi Arabia. Um, and stateside horses that are going for the day include McKinsey, Mucho Gusto, Chancelot, uh, Imperial Hint. Oh, sorry, Spencer. Oh, no, we got an Imperial Hint. He doesn't. Spencer hates Imperial Hint. Why? <laughs> or he loves Imperial Hint. Yeah. I think he loves him. Oh, okay. The, the, the true story is he locked himself in the room right now. Oh, jeez. Um, but so. <laughs> Uh, ben Vital, who is actually just about to try dirt in the Sheikh Mohammed um, leg two right now in, in Dubai is okay. uh, forecasted for the Saudi Cup. So it's going to be a pretty star-studded lineup. I mean, which is kind of what you expect with, with the, all money the money that's on yeah, offer. With all right? that money but, on the line, of course. Um, Are also you going? Did security, you... Midnight Bizu. Yeah, yes, going. I'm going. Oh, we have to do a pod from there. Right? How we do it? We're going to do that. Let's see. Okay, here. Saudi. This is the Saudi Cup field. Yeah. Ben Batal, McKinsey, Midnight Bizu, Maximum Security, Giftbox, Gronkowski, Mucho Gusto, Magic Wand, uh, Crystal Barrel, Gold Dream, and Tacitus. That's a pretty good field lined up. Right? That's, that's really nice. Okay, um, so there's that. And then to finish up, uh, coming up this week at our sponsor, Santa Anita, Fridays is $2 beer day. Saturday and Sunday, we have the Lunar New Year. It's Chinese New Year celebration. Both those days, those be food, activities, and performances. That's rain or shine. Um, the ultimate fan experience brought to you by my racehorse. So this is actually going to be ongoing throughout the weekends, at least through, um, April that I saw on the website and what it is, it's $85. You get breakfast at Clocker's Corner and that includes a plate of food and a drink. You get an in-depth barn tour. You get to go visit the receiving barn, the silks room, have a private jockey meet and greet. You get all day access to suite seven, which is the My Racehorse suite. Sure. You also get lunch up in the suite. And then during the races, you're going to go up to the track announcer and visit Frank Miramati. You have a walking ring tour and also get to watch a race from the win Run Happy Winner's Circle. So all that for 85 bucks. I think it's a pretty cool deal if you're looking for like all the access you can get as an owner. It's like, hey, why not, right? Mm. Um, yeah. And mm. yeah. 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 Okay. I'm in on that. <laughs> okay. What do you what what else would you add to it? I wouldn't add anything. I'm just I'm just I I I'm I'm just mad on that. I don't know. I would just call I would just send me an email, Billy at littleredfeather.com to say that you are thinking about being an owner and I'll do it for free. Okay. Well, I also would do that even if you don't want to be an owner. I would I mean I'm not gonna buy your lunch, but <laughs> well, I'll even buy your lunch. There you go. <laughs> um okay, well, then you can either call Billy or you can or you could join could do the my race horse. Right, they exactly. are sold out for a couple of days already though, so right. make sure you are noted on that. And for stakes races, we have the San Vicente, the Las Virgenes, the Thunder Road coming up this weekend. You know, Michelle, we haven't done a uh, aftercare corner in a while, and oh, I did had, you have one? I had my karma meeting the other day. Okay. And you'll be happy to know. I think you're going to like this. We we Every summer, for those of you who don't know about Karma, we have our big event, usually the first weekend at Del Mar. But since Del Mar opens on a Saturday this year, we are not going to do it on the first Sunday. We're going to do it on the second Sunday. Uh, for the last couple of years, we've had this um, 
kind of a rodeo barbecue. We had a country band. Uh, hoedown. Yeah, hoedown. We did a hoedown. Um, this year, give me a drum roll. Bump it up. Yeah. We are going to do the uh, Del Mardi Gras. Why was there so silence? I thought you'd love that. Yay. Oh, come on. Del Mardi Gras. It's going to be fun. Masks and beads and jazz. And it'll be great. Boobies? Yep. Well, you said that. <laughs> I did not say that. Um, Michelle, you will probably have a lot of beads. That's the... Uh, I didn't say that. I'm going to take that out of the uh, podcast. And uh, it should be fun. It'll be on the second weekend. You'll just, Tickets will go on sale soon. It is the Karma Del Mardi Gras. It's going to be great. Okay. You don't. You didn't I like it. I thought, like the hoedown. I know, but we can't keep doing the hoedown every year. Okay. We got to change it up a little bit. Okay. All the right. Del Mardi Gras. I like the. I like the play on words though. Del that Mardi Gras. Cool. Yeah, that's it's cool. gonna be good. We can have some Del Margaritas. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Michelle. Thanks as always. Great idea to bring Jen Shaw in from Dean Dorton, DeanDorton.com, uh, one of the world's premier uh, equine CPAs. Uh, next week we will find someone else probably not gary barber but we will always try <laughs> not gary barber not larry best and not uh oh larry best won a race he was at santa anita the other day i saw him yeah he did yeah i talked to him very nice First guy. Time yeah uh michelle you you're the best this is the horse ownership experience it's brought to you by santa anita and delmar and TaylorMade and all of our friends who listen to the show we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you we are on a new place downloading i hope you guys are finding it and uh we will talk to you next week if you need anything by the way follow us on twitter at own a horse at the michelle you at bklrf as i said you can email me billy at littleredfeather.com if you want to get involved in horse racing just send me an email and let's schedule a time to talk and we'll get you in as an owner that's what we're here to do right michelle yep say goodbye to those kids for me Will do. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You're listening to the Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu.